The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. I thank you so much, Ryan Watson. Welcome to another episode, another season of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This is episode one of season five. Glad to have you once again on the pod. This is a podcast about high school football in the mid-Ohio Valley, West Virginia and Ohio. Like us on Facebook if you haven't already, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And we're glad to have you once again with us this season for another year of high school football and another season of the podcast. We appreciate your support in the past and we ask you to hey tell a friend help us grow the show and help us make this the community for high school football that we want it to be and we've always hoped it would be you can send us a message on the facebook page and we'll be glad to respond to that and get back to you and maybe you can influence something on a future episode of the show we've got a great episode for you i mean i'm a little biased when i say that i like what we've got coming up we've got a fantastic guest for you this week craig dutton joins the podcast to talk about high school football coaching changes also later on this season will be rejoined by Taryn Malone of Metro News. He was with us last year as a correspondent to talk about the statewide scene and give his comments on the local scene. He's back for a second year. Unfortunately, he had some other obligations this week and is not able to join us this week, but he'll be back with us hopefully starting next week and we'll hear from him throughout the season. Craig Dutton, who is a longtime listener of the show, longtime friend of mine and former broadcast partner of mine, but he does a good job every year to keep track of the coaching changes from one season to the next. He does that and posts a lot of that stuff stuff on Tailgate Central on the message board there, and some of it ends up through his social media channels, his Facebook page, and his Twitter. Craig's a longtime friend, and who better to talk about coaching transitions than the guy who really is getting traction for being the guy that keeps tabs on that. So are these the two easiest guests for me to book? Quite possibly, yes. But, but, they're longtime friends of the show. Terrence are regular for the second straight year, and Craig, well, it's overdue that we've had Craig Dutton on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Well, before we get too far into things, I thought it would be a good idea to reset where everyone is headed into 2022. And of course, you have to start with the defending Class A state champions, the Ritchie County Rebels. They knocked off Williamstown last December on Wheeling Island to claim the first state championship in Ritchie County High School football history. Now the task is, how do you repeat that? How do you do it again? Again, they'll return quarterback Ethan Hot, who has started a quarterback since he was a freshman. It's hard to believe Ethan Hot's senior year already, though he's played for a long time. We've talked about it on the show now for four of the five seasons of the show. He's a senior this year. He returns and quite possibly could be one of the LKC's best players at any position this year and likely one of the best quarterbacks in Class A in West Virginia. Uh, Ritchie County does need to replace skilled players, notably LKC Player of the Year Gus Morrison. And they'll also have work at Schofield Stadium to contend with with. Ritchie County does not have their home opener until week five because of that. They got three road games and a bye week in there. So they'll finish up with five of the last seven games at home. That's the plus. The bad is that they don't get to play a home game for the first month of the season while that work is going on at Schofield Stadium. I was last over that way in the spring, finishing up spring sports. They were already knocking down ticket booths and concession stands. The whole thing. The bleachers went away. There's new bleachers coming in. Uh, They scraped some dirt off of Schofield Stadium. They're going to fill in the area between Schofield Stadium and the baseball field. 
turf on the baseball field, turf on the football field, a new all-weather track. There's a lot of new stuff at Ritchie County High School. New threats for Ethan Hot, and also a basically brand new stadium for the Ritchie County Rebels to open up in Week 5. They've got a lot going on over there, trying to defend a state championship and trying to get used to the new digs when they finish those, when they put the new turf down and uh, get set to go at Ritchie County. Uh, that'll be an interesting story all throughout the preseason and into the season. How about the team they knocked off in Wheeling, the defending state runners-up? The Williamstown Yellow Jackets, they return quarterback Max Melissa. Ricky Allen's going to lead the way in the backfield. They've got other returners. That team is super motivated for this year. Don't you dare think for a moment that the Williamstown Yellow Jackets have not been using that loss as motivation for the last eight months of offseason workouts and conditioning. They have been stewing on that loss over there. They are motivated. They're jacked. And if they stay healthy and if they get the breaks that they need to get, there's no reason to believe they shouldn't be contenders to go to Wheeling Island again this year. Sticking with class say, how about St. Mary's? They're kind of an in-between team this year. They didn't make the playoffs last year despite a 6-4 and four record. All four of their losses were to playoff teams and they just didn't get it done. They just didn't execute in the clutch in any of those four games. They got Luke Powell returning at quarterback and they're looking to overcome those issues with finishing drives. Issues in the red zone. That's what limited St. Mary's last year. They were a big play or two at a couple key junctures away from winning a couple more games and pretty much being a good seed in the playoffs. You win one of those games you're 7-3 and three and you're in, and they would have been a low seed that could have done some damage in the top half of the bracket. They win two of those games, they're 8-2. and two. They might even host a home game at that point, and they can make a run with what they had. So they were good enough last year to do it. Also a team that's going to be super motivated to go back to the postseason. Tyler Consolidated also missed out on the playoffs, but their biggest loss came in the offseason when quarterback Trenton Huffman transferred to Doddridge County. So Ty Walton, a remaining senior there, this basically is going to be his team this year. I'll visit with Ryan Walton later. Later this preseason, you'll hear from him and how the Tyler Consolidated Silver Knights plan to regroup. Looking at the big schools, PHS with a big change. Mike Bias out after five seasons, stepping aside. And Matt Kimes is in after getting his feet wet in the head coaching ranks at Warren. He'll return David Parsons at quarterback. Now, I know that Mike Bias was never one to say that Bryson Singer was anything but QB number one. But because of injuries, they really moved Singer a lot. His role morphed into almost a utility guy and every man. You try to plug him in and get him the ball wherever you could to win football games. So that often would leave Parsons a quarterback and Singer in the slot or in the backfield. They needed him wherever Parsons essentially was the starter quarterback and now it'll be officially his team this year. And they also have some depth that they return because they were so injury and COVID depleted at times last year that they had to go deep into their depth charts and find guys to play. So the bad is that you have that situation with a lot of inexperienced guys in one season. The good is you return some guys that got their feet wet at some position and we'll see how that benefits the Big Reds going forward. Parkersburg South has one of the best receivers in the state, definitely one of the area's best players in Cyrus Traw. Getting D1 looks, he's got multiple D1 offers already. We'll probably get some more as the year goes on at the D1 and D2 levels and probably get the chance to be a preferred walk-on for some of those schools. But right now, for Parkersburg South, they're looking to him to do some big things for the Patriots this year. Year two for Robert Shockey at quarterback for Parkersburg South and Nate Tanner continues at the Patriots' helm to lead the way and uh, big things expected there. They are a lot of people's sexy pick to be in the top 10 and maybe even be in the top 5 this year because everyone knows they've got a good player coming back in Traw. I think people who follow high school sports in West Virginia know Cyrus Traw, know what's coming back. Possibly an outside contender for the Kennedy Award, depending on how creatively they can get him the ball and what he can do with it and how prolific he can be with it. But like I said, a team that just a lot of people seem to be expecting a lot of things from. And they're pretty confident for what 
it's worth, rather, the players that I was able to talk to earlier this spring and uh, early summer, they have been bonding in the weight room since January. I think sometimes when teams have early playoff exits, they can do one of two things. They can sit around and stew about that, or they can get back to work. And this South team got back to work in a big way, and they're very confident with what they, they're very proud of what they've been able to do in the weight room. They're very confident with where they are right now and what they've got coming back. So that may be the most dangerous thing about this team is their own confidence as they go forward. Marietta's in their first year in the OVAC. The Tigers program went to the OVAC and they were accepted immediately in the winter. So winter and spring sports benefited from that. But this is the school's first full year as an OVAC member. And it's the first time that Marietta's football program is benefiting from that. They were already leaning toward the OVAC with their scheduling in previous years. They continue to adjust their schedule to try to get more OVAC schools on there and try to get more competitive schools for where they are as a football program right now. And that's really the recipe for how to get your program back where it needs to be. You adjust your schedule. You get guys out. You develop those guys. You get them to buy in. Then you toughen the schedule up little by little. Then you become a powerhouse. I know there's a lot more that goes into it than that, but that's generally speaking what a lot of people try to do. They're still in that adjusting schedule phase. We'll visit with Jason Schaub later this preseason as well. River is looking to replace top target Brody Lolithan. Got a chance to look at him in the BACF game a couple months ago. A top receiving threat. And they're also looking to make another playoff run. They had a pretty deep run last year. An upset for them over Burn Union in the second round. Uh, we'll talk to Mike Flannery, their head coach, later this preseason as well. Frontier is looking to replace lots off of a takeaway happy defense. This Frontier team last year, they managed to just snag interceptions like it was their job, and there were multiple pick sixes, multiple interceptions. They were known for defensive scores and special team scores at Frontier last year, but this team struggled down the stretch. They lost their last three, including in the playoffs at Caldwell. So Frontier definitely wants to build up a strong start to the season, but they also want to finish, unlike what they were able to do last year. Had a chance to talk last week with Magnolia head coach Dave Dave Chapman, and he says they've got a ton of hope for the future. 20 people out for the freshman class, a very strong freshman class. So youth there, but there is hope that they can build something with what they've got at Magnolia. Looking forward to seeing what that entails. Payton City's in year two for Robert Price, the head coach, are looking to increase numbers and participation. They got a couple wins last year. They beat 100 and they beat Hancock, Maryland. So they're looking to build off of that in year two under Robert Price. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's go between the hash marks this week and talk about coaching changes. Uh, Craig Dutton is the guy who largely has been keeping tabs on that throughout the state. There was a lot of coaching turnover last year, not as much this year. It's a trend that has picked up in the last few years compared to where it was pre-pandemic. This week for week one, we are joined by a longtime listener, longtime friend of the show, my former broadcast partner and a good friend of mine, Craig Dutton. Craig, welcome to the program. Glad to have you this week. Oh, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Really enjoy the program and the podcast and how much uh, work you start with uh, Countdown to Kickoff. It's really turned into a wonderful podcast over the last few years. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is this your first appearance? This will be my first appearance, and I've really enjoyed it because now I've been in Mid-Ohio Valley for a couple years now, and I've actually been using your program to keep in touch with everything that's been going on high school sports-wise. <laughs> now it's going to come full circle, a bit of Craigception, essentially, here. You have really, over the last few years, kind of been the go-to guy on the coaching changes front. I know you've kept track on this for the last few years. What sparked your interest in doing that? And second of all, what trends are you noticing in coaching changes? Well, it all goes back to a topic you had a couple years ago, and it's about how if forms can be important in this state, like if they have a positive or negative impact, I oh, feel yeah. they can. So, Tailgate Central was something I 
I really went into. And I thought there's not a lot of people giving good information on it now, so why not? I just do something to add to my hobby and kept track of some of the coaching changes going on throughout the state. And last year, Zach Davis was one of those guys who was let go at Nitro High School. That kind of was a way for other people who are administrators and ADs that just go on the forums to say, oh, okay, he's available as a coach. Some coaches, I feel, look at that and are thinking, okay, that position's available. Maybe they need an assistant coach or some volunteer there at that school now. Certainly gives people an idea of who's available and throws yeah. some names into the mix for a lot of jobs that wouldn't otherwise be in that mix. I think we've talked about this a little bit off the air, and I know I've talked about it on the pod. It seems to me that since COVID, we've had a lot more turnover at a lot of schools. Yeah. Do you think COVID has a lot to do with that in terms of just the stress and the pressure that is added up on top of the difficulty of teaching and coaching? Or are some of these situations really just different things? I think a lot of coaches reassess their personal lives. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to relationships with their families and friends and realized, okay, I'm not getting paid much to do this. This is something I love to do, but I need to walk away from it. Yeah. Uh, there were 21 changes last year, 16 this year. Maybe that has some effect to it, but I feel this year was a lot more turnover of the fact that some coaches may feel they couldn't get it done or they want to finish on a high note by making the playoffs. But last year, you're right. I think a lot of that played into the factor was COVID. I definitely think you're right. I think a lot of people, uh, not just in coaching, but in general, took a look at their personal lives and their family lives and reassessed yeah. what was and wasn't important. And maybe some things they thought were important weren't. And for some, this could be one of them. It was. I, I thought COVID really was a big factor into it. And, you know, it's funny to think about it. You know, I walked away from games for Tyler Consolidated because I live in Fairmont, COVID actually created my opportunity to work with the Lincoln High School Cougars over in Harrison hmm. County, and I was really, really impressed how that worked out. That's probably the only positive thing that ever came out of COVID when it comes to just doing things hobby-wise, but COVID, you're right, played a humongous factor in how the coaching terms change because I feel a lot of coaches looked at and realized this isn't worth my effort. I could put it towards other things that will be more beneficial to my family or friends or to, towards their communities they serve. Well, this is a Mid-Ohio Valley Central podcast. So let's talk about yes. the, the one here that really sticks out to the Mid-Ohio Valley. A huge one and a hallmark school in West Virginia in this valley. Mike Bias left PHS after five seasons. Matt Kimes comes in. What's your read on that situation? I think it's a big win for Parkersburg by the, for the Big Reds just in themselves to say, hey, we got a guy now that has earned this position. You know, he took Warren to their first ever playoff games, went two and two in a couple playoff years for the Warren Warriors. And honestly, that was a great pickup for the Parkersburg Big Reds. Bias is at the point where he's ready to retire. I believe he went back to North Carolina uh, where he won his couple state titles. Uh, You know, just to try to have that turnaround, you have a guy like Matt Kimes who brings in a lot of experience and he is a Big Red himself and I think that has rejuvenated the community when it comes to supporting our high school football team for the Big Reds. Yeah, Mike Bias's family didn't move up with him. He went back to be with his family after five years at PHS. Really didn't quite get the health of the luck that he deserved. He had better teams than maybe the records would indicate and uh, he probably deserved another playoff appearance or two based on the rosters that he had. Just was headed some really bad circumstances and bad injury luck. But Kimes comes in, breath of fresh air, a lot of enthusiasm around that hire because he has that perfect pedigree. He's been an assistant coach in this area for a while, went to Warren. If you're not from this area, Warren High School has had a proud tradition. They've fallen on some hard times in the last decade and a half, but Kimes resurrected that program somewhat, had some success there, and now has a successful springboard. 
Yeah, I was really impressed with what he did at Warren because Warren's always been the program that felt like they had a chance, but the playoff rating system in Ohio always kind of hurt them. They would try to ease their schedule, and you'd see Warren teams that would finish, I think, 7-3 and three or 8-2 and two on, the, on the old records, and they just weren't a playoff team based on the Ohio system. But Kimes got them in a situation where they had the right balance of getting some games where they were winnable and versus where they were able to get points, and that made a big difference. And then to get that playoff win over John Glenn and to be able to keep things going in the playoffs here a couple years ago, that just motivated Warren to a whole different level. When they lost him, it really hurt them. And then Warren, they themselves, they ended up getting a really good hire by getting the offensive coordinator from Paul Blazer, Kentucky after Kimes left for Parkersburg. Yeah, so it worked out for them as well. And now now with Kimes, you've got a guy who's bought into this community, bought into that team. How important is it for some schools, not all schools necessarily, but especially some, to have their guy? Like, Matt Kimes is a PHS guy, and now they've got a PHS guy. Is it more important at some schools, particularly Parkersburg, to have someone that's their guy as opposed to others? When I see it, I look at the, the chemistry from one coach to the next. You know, you can have people who are from out of the area to come in, and that could be what you need to revitalize a program for Mike Bias, he replaced a guy who was there before. He was a Parkersburg grad himself. And Bias came in, came with a different mentality, got the ball rolling. Now you got Kimes as a guy that could be the pedigree of just like Mike Bias. And that may just turn around and be the best thing for the Big Reds right now is that you've got someone who's coming in who understands what the community wants and that kind of takes off. You could say the same thing from other schools too. It took Bernie Buttry, a guy who was an outsider at Williamstown. Then you got Terry Smith, who's from the community and that got the ball rolling even more i think honestly it goes through a progression of maybe guys who are out of the area and then sometimes you can go back to a community coach and i think the coaching changes statewide reflect that there's a lot of guys who are first-time coaches are part of that community where they are coaching now you want to get back to the first-time coaches here in a minute but kimes is one of only two people that were actively serving as a head coach at another high school the previous season i'm taking this from your tailgate central thread because you've very thoroughly detailed this the other's donnie mays and i think that's a coaching move that left some people scratching their heads, perhaps, because Mays, in the COVID-shortened 2020 season, managed to win a state championship. And say what you want about the 2020 state championships. They're in the books. They got the rings, so on and so forth. They're as official as official gets. But less than two years later, he's gone. He's at Hurricane. What's your take on that move? You know, you just caught me on that. I forgot there was one new coach with a championship under their belt. I left one off, and that was Donnie Mays. I always had a bad habit of not including that 2020 in my mind. I did that a few other times as well. A lot of us would like to pretend 2020 doesn't exist. That move by Donnie Mays is very reminiscent in my mind of a recent event. I think of Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU and packing up the family and going down (laughs) to Louisiana. So I think a lot of Brian Kelly in that sense. You're taking basically one good program in South Charleston who may be on some downtimes along with Capital High School, and then he's going over to an MSAC rival in Hurricane, and he's getting the ball rolling there. He brought most of his staff along with him, too. He's got some of the kids who transferred out from other schools, and the Hurricane Redskins are in a good spot with him going in. But that was the biggest note of the season was Donnie Mays. Everyone all over the state saw that and thought, oh, wow, that's a big change. What wonder what made him move about 20 to 30 minutes away. Clearly the biggest name on the list as far as accomplishments. I wonder if he changed his accent from a South Charleston accent to a hurricane accent. I, I kind of 
of wondered about that too. I don't know how much of a difference there is being 20 <laughs> minutes away. Right. But being around the Dunbar area versus uh, Putnam County, there may be some. <laughs> well, you mentioned names on there. If you're looking at this list of names, it's pretty much like any other, looking at the new coaches, that is, it's pretty much like any other year in coaching transitions. You've got longtime assistants that stepped in. You've got yeah. big name coaches that have won at other places shifting to other schools. You know, that's the Kimes hire, the Mays hire. You've got some people that are getting new chances at different places. Eddie Smolder comes to mind getting a shot at Winfield. But then you've got, to me, the most intriguing one, and that's Justin Kogar at Westside because he's young. That checks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. Only eight years removed from his senior season. Old enough to command respect, but young enough to maybe still be right in the zeitgeist to what's going on in the locker room and be in the heads of his players. What's your take on uh, him taking over at Westside? The Westside's in a place right now. They really need some leadership. Tyler Dunnigan was not in a situation where I think he wanted to continue coaching, but he was just named chief of police at Oceana, so he had to step down for his job. That's another one of those situations where job, your full-time job, takes priority. Right, and people don't always realize that that happens. Not all these coaches are tied into the school system as far as teaching. Some of them do work other jobs in the community. That's a unique example. And they are trying to get that mentality back for Westside, but when I look at this hire for Justin Coker, he he thought about applying the year before when he was interviewed. He didn't do that, but now here he is the head coach. He's only eight years removed from being a finalist for the Kennedy Award, and it's very reminiscent of a hire recently where Zach Heasley was hired at Peyton City. Now he was an assistant at Tyler Consolidated. Mm -hmm. When Heasley was hired at Peyton City, that got the ball rolling a little bit more, too. You got Coker now, who's going to step in, take over this Westside program, and you can only go up from one win from the year before. And actually, they had two. They had to forfeit one, but and in the books, they had, they can improve upon that one win they had last year and really do a lot. And I know the rumors have been going around that Justin will get his younger brother transferred back from Logan High. I don't think that's going to happen because Logan's in a good spot right now. It's hard to tell, but of course, borders and boundaries in the southern part of the state tend to be pretty fluid. Uh, they do. <laughs> we'll just leave that at that. Running out of time, got to ask you this before we go. Of the vacancies we've not talked about, which one intrigues you the most? Of the ones that really intrigue me the most, honestly, it's an LKC one. It's the one you wouldn't expect. I think Eddie Williams at Webster County. I've, I've been watching the stuff he does on Twitter. He remodeled their locker room. He takes pictures of the field. He takes care of their grass field. It's going to take a long time for the Highlanders to get something, but that's a program I could see in Class A doing well if you get all the pieces together, similar to like what Ritchie County's done recent years. Just sometimes depends on who takes ownership and in what ways. Yeah, it, it does. And the other one I'll say real quick is Mauro Mons. He's one of three collegiate coaches that formerly had experience. Only coached three high school games in his career in Pennsylvania, but he has a long history of being a collegiate coach, and he takes over for the Madonna Blue Dons, who are looking to build off of what minor success they had with Dan Rivera. I would have thrown another name out there, too. How about the guy that replaced Donnie Mays at South Charleston? How about Carl Lee? Longtime coaching at West Virginia State. This is his first high school coaching gig, but he's always been a South Charleston guy. I like Carl Lee going in there. If they really are struggling with administration and, and staffing issues in the Canal County school system, Carl Lee is a guy you can get behind. It won't be this year because a lot of kids have transferred out, but South Charleston can do something with Carl Lee. He had a little struggles when he was coaching at West Virginia State, but that collegiate knowledge is something that you can and now put at the high school level and use to motivate kids to try to maybe look at the next level and say, hey, do you want to try to test the waters? We got camps. We can do that. Lee has a lot of connections throughout the state and with his connections from playing for the Minnesota Vikings. Absolutely. Where can people find you on Twitter? Because you do tweet a lot about high school sports. 
I do. It's uh, at Craig underscore Dutton underscore 53 on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook as well. But even on Tailgate Central, I put stuff on there as well. I have a few more things coming out soon. Maybe I'll have it before your first episode airs this season uh, for the podcast. But I'll have some win totals and some records coming out. And that's a big help. I got to give them credit. It's fourseasonsfootball.com. All yeah. the work they do, I use to try to create these active lists for head coaches in the state. His handle on Tailgate Central's WC Dutton Radio. So check him out. I know he posts a lot of things there. Tries to get as much factual information as possible out on the social media platforms and the message boards. Also with Lincoln Football this year, where can people find you? We're going to be on 93.5 FBY in the greater Elkins and Clarksburg area. We'll be on WFBY.com, and you can also download the FBY app. And got a full season of Big Ten football over there for the Lincoln Cougars. <laughs> well, very good. Have fun with USC and UCLA, all right? <laughs> all right, Craig Dutton, thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. I enjoy being on the podcast. Whatever help you need in the future, be glad to, and I'm always going to be listening. Great work, Eric. Our Light Rock 93R Facebook page has been carrying our preseason preview series, and earlier this week we had a chance to sit down with Parkersburg South head coach Nathan Tanner for the full interview. Go to our Light Rock 93R Facebook page. Of course, if you haven't already done so, like us on Light Rock 93R and see the interview, as well as the rest of the interviews in the preseason preview series. But here's an excerpt of my conversation with Parkersburg South head coach Nathan Tanner. This team has parlayed a strong finish to the regular season into a really good offseason. How has that prepared you for 2022? Man, you know, I, I think the the kids coming back, they're they're hungry to build off of what they did last year, and um, you know, I feel like we finished the regular season strong. Obviously, took a, a really tough loss to Martinsburg, but um, got a lot of guys coming back, and they've put in a lot of work this off season. So, you know, we're we're looking forward to it as a group. You come in with uh, a lot coming back. From next year too and that was something that you knew toward the end of last year you're going to have a, a quarterback in Robert Shockey that's in year two you've got uh, a top target in Cyrus Traw uh, offensively and then on defensively you got Turner Garrettson in the middle there's just a whole lot to build around that has to add to the excitement for this year yeah I mean you know it's it, it's tough to go through and talk about the the kids to expect a lot out of because really it's all of them right <laughs> I mean you mentioned three or four guys right there but I mean, we got guys at every single position that I think are going to, you know, step up and, and really do good things for us. Talking to some of these guys in the spring, they were confident. What do you think grew that confidence and that camaraderie? Uh, because when I was talking to some of those guys in March, April, May, they were feeling it. Um, you know, I, I think finishing how we did last year and uh, just sweat equity this off season. Um, you know, whenever you have guys working out together and, you know, it, it, it's kind of we have a unique situation because we have weightlifting classes throughout the day. And several of those guys are in class together and we have stuff after school for kids that don't have the class. So, um, you know, we use our social media pages, things like that. But all of our all of our guys see what each other, you know, what everybody is doing. And I think with that, you know, um, it fires a little bit of a competitive streak you know with a lot of them i'm talking you know in intrinsic competitiveness within our team well there's, you know some, account I mean? there's some accountability that's built up there. yeah absolutely and uh you know self-accountability peer accountability and i think you know with our off season that uh that has made kids hungrier and you know looking forward to it more Starting a sophomore quarterback last year and robert and uh bringing him back as a junior this year uh where has he grown 
Uh, I mean, everywhere. <laughs> he's um, he's bigger, faster, stronger. Um, I was talking. I can't remember if I was talking to my father last night or somebody else. I talk to so many people every day. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I was talking about Robert, and um, we had a practice with North Marion this summer. And uh, we did some team stuff, and we were able to see him run the football some. And um, he he timed faster than he's ever timed in my weightlifting class this spring. So um, he's gone from you know a good runner to I think he's going to be special. Uh, not just as a runner, but you know um, where he's stronger. Um, he can push the ball down the field a lot more. Uh, this this summer, I saw him throw it up to. 55, 60 yards a couple times. And now um, after a season, he's got uh, an idea of what it takes week in and week out to take that wear and tear at the QB1 spot. Yeah, Robert, he, he understands what's expected and, um, you know, he understands the system. That's something else. It's year two in the system and we've we've tinkered with it a little bit just trying to make it better, but uh, the meat and potatoes, nuts and bolts of what we do is the same, and um, he's just going to continue to get better and better. Let's go ahead and address Cyrus Traw because uh, I think any preview of your team that doesn't include him is probably missing out. Uh, getting a lot of attention as being one of the better receivers in the state and possibly one of the best players in the state. Uh, what is it to have him back and uh, how do you keep him focused and keep him uh, where he needs to be mentally so that he can help this team? Um, you know, just keeping the standard and the expectations what they are, not just for Cyrus, but for the whole team. And right. um, Cyrus, he's a good kid. He's very competitive. And, um, you know, he, he really gets after it. And uh, like you said, he's a really, really special player. I think, you know, a lot like Robert, he's, he's going to do really good things as well. That's Parkersburg South Head Coach Nathan Tanner. More videos on our Facebook Live preseason preview series can be found on the Light Rock 93R Facebook page and the Facebook pages of our sister stations, and we'll have more sound from area coaches on the podcast here in the next few weeks. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. New episodes available every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can subscribe, rate us, and review us on Apple Podcasts if you'd be so kind to do so. Next week, we'll dive into the preseason preview series. You can find those interviews on our Light Rock 93R Facebook page. They're shared on some of our other stations' pages as well. whole lot of them on Wednesday, so we'll have a lot of things to talk about, and you'll have a lot of coaches to hear from when we readjourn next week. Also, we'll take a look at our top five storylines to watch coming into this season. We've hit on where everyone is headed into 2022, but now we'll take a 30,000-feet look at the area in general and talk about some of the best storylines to watch this season. Thank you once again for listening this week and every week, and glad to be back with you for another season. My name is Eric Little. I'll talk to you next week on another episode of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Come back next week for another new episode and thanks for listening. Great work, Eric.